0: peace to you beloved it's a different world than it was when I was a kid can you imagine having that discussion about war and peace when you were that young our kids are exposed to so much and they are hearing and experiencing so much and it's such a beautiful thing for them to be able to sit there and ask those questions in this space. I didn't want to gloss over that. That was a really important moment. So thank you for bringing your children. Thank you for serving with the children. And thank you for everything you all do in this community to raise these kids in a community of faith at a time when it certainly is needed. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 1. We've been in Luke chapter 1 for the last couple of weeks. We're picking up right where we left off in chapter 1 with verse 46. If you haven't met me yet, my name is Amy Wilson-Feltz. I'm the pastor here at Morningstar, and I'm really glad to be with you during this season of Advent. We have a lot going on this week, and it is a pleasure to walk with you in this journey. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. Hear now the word of God. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for God has looked with favor on the lowliness of this servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is God's name. God's mercy is for those who fear God from generation to generation. God has shown strength with firm arms, has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. The Lord has helped his servant this servant israel in remembrance of great mercy according to the promises made to our ancestors to abraham and to his descendants forever this is the word of god for the people of god thanks be to god amen let us pray gracious and loving god May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be pleasing to your sight this morning, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Beloved, I have watched hours and hours of Sesame Street in my lifetime. You could say that I am a product of the iconic program myself. My favorite character was lovable furry old Grover, especially in his Super Grover persona. Any other Super Grover fans out there? Well, my kids, they are more partial to Elmo. Thanks to the advent of television streaming services, I am able to watch their favorite stories of Elmo over and over again, more times than the count could count. And one of the favorite episodes at our house has to do with binoculars you know how these work right you you look through a pair of binoculars and whatever you were viewing before seems bigger seems closer well it was all fun and games for Elmo and his guest star friend until Elmo pointed out that through the binoculars his friend's nostrils looked like vast caverns Aren't you glad I'm not pointing at you right now? I wouldn't see nostrils because of the masks, but you get the idea. These are the facts, right? Binoculars magnify whatever it is that is in our view. Well, this passage from Luke chapter 1 is commonly called Mary's song, but in our Christian tradition, it is also known as the Magnificat, the title comes from that opening line, my soul magnifies the Lord. Other translations say glorifies or praises. Well, you and I, we may not have a story like a mother marries, but the truth is we all magnify, glorify, praise something or someone with the way that we live. We could take a look at the way we use our time and our energy and our money to reveal what it is that we are magnifying. So if someone asks me in this very moment, Amy, what is it that your life magnifies? I would be so tempted to say the good Sunday school answer, the teachings of Jesus. I'm a pastor, so my life magnifies the teachings of Jesus. But if I'm honest, that's not really true, not day in and day out, certainly not every moment of every day. It's actually fairly easy to come up with a pretty sobering list of things that we magnify as human beings other than God. We magnify the value of work, whatever that means for us. We magnify a false sense of self because for whatever reason, we don't truly believe what God says about us, that we are people of great worth. We magnify our fear and allow it to paralyze us or to dictate our actions and reactions. We magnify our brokenness until it becomes an identifying point in our life. It trips us up in our conversations and in our relationships. We magnify our enemies, from family members to former friends to whole groups of people that we characterize because of things we think we know about them. Now, when I say we magnify these viewpoints and behaviors, I don't mean that we glorify them in the way that Mary was glorifying God. I mean that we make them bigger in our minds, bigger than they really are, bigger than our God to us, bigger to the point that disruption and division become our way of life. They become our words of the day, and this is nothing new. This has been a real-time struggle in every generation, including Mary's. But Mary's unique perspective amid that struggle makes her the perfect person to guide us through the season of Advent, and that's what she has been doing. We began our unwrapping Christmas series three weeks ago with the words of Isaiah that would have sparked hope in Mary's own life and faith, at a time when her people were living in poverty and were sorely oppressed by the ruling government. Then we celebrated Mary's bold acceptance of her role in God's work of love when the angel came and told her that she would bear the Son of God, and she said famously, let it be with me according to your word. Last week, we ourselves proclaimed the joy that comes with knowing that God is with us in our pain And in our strife. So today we turn to a new word of the day, and that is peace. The very thing that we seek amidst our deepest and darkest struggles. I can think of no better passage in our Bible to help us with this task. It's true that when you read the Magnificat, you don't find the word peace among the verses. But if we use our spiritual binoculars, we can see that peace is another reality of which Mary is speaking. It's another reality that Mary is magnifying in her beautiful song. It's easy for us to miss this truth amid the words of lowliness and fear and hunger and weakness. And perhaps this is because when we ourselves seek peace, we often do so on a personal level. We ask ourselves, how can I get peace in this situation? What will bring me Peace in this moment what could peace look like in my life mary is describing something much bigger than that her words magnify a peace that's available to all people in every generation across time she says these words not from a place of wishful thinking that her own suffering would end but from a place of deep faith because she trusted in god's own faithfulness because she knew the stories of her tradition. It is suggested that Mary grew up in a faithful Jewish home in a small town in Palestinian Galilee. Her education would have included sitting with the other girls and women in the community listening to the stories of the Torah, the law, and the words of the prophets in the synagogue. So when the angel told Mary that she had been chosen to bear the Son of God into the world, the foundations of her faith would have come flooding back to her, to her mind and to her heart. The oppressed condition of her people, the words of the prophets, the hope of deliverance, the worship of the one true God, the one who was thought to be the one to keep the promises made to Abraham long ago, those promises of land and a name and descendants. This revelation only would have been reinforced by Mary's exchange with Elizabeth. We talked about this last week. Elizabeth professes that God's promises are coming to be born through the two of them. It's remarkable, really, the faith of this young girl, Mary. She trusted that the deliverance of her people was at hand, and she recognized that she was at the center of this miraculous work, and that this miracle would be fraught with danger. And what does she do? She sings. She sings. And even this song finds roots deep in her tradition. If we turned right now to First Samuel chapter 2, we would, we would be reminded of the story of Hannah, who was told that she would not have a baby. And in that chapter, Hannah prays, and her words sound so similar. They raise the same themes of God's work in the world, favoring the humble and scattering the proud, bringing down the mighty and exalting the lowly, filling the hungry, and sending the rich away empty. These are the hopes of an oppressed people fulfilled by a God who reverses the order of the world to bring redemption and reconciliation, salvation, healing. These themes are the reason Mary's Magnificat has been called the most revolutionary document in the world. Her song was revolutionary because it threatened the world order. It spoke of the overturn of current leaders, and words like these, even when they are spoken by a teenage girl, are always spoken at great risk. It was a dangerous situation, and Mary could have magnified the scarier parts of her new reality in it. She could have focused on the risk to her own reputation especially if she had been rejected by the man she was promised to marry. She could have focused on the alienation of her family because she was pregnant before the marriage was celebrated. She could have run from the responsibility that had been placed on her shoulders and that would make her an enemy of the Roman state. But instead, she sings, and her words paint a picture as if, all of the things that had been promised to her people were being fulfilled because her pregnancy had been foretold this is a sign that god's plan is in it's in motion god's plan is in the works the baby in her womb was a sign for which god's chosen people had been waiting the sign that their deliverance their freedom was at hand God's people had been clinging to the promises that were given to Abraham for so long, and God's faithfulness had been the mantra of this people group who trusted that everything that had been foretold by the prophets would come to pass. These were the narratives that were tucked deep into Mary's soul, and they gave her everything she needed to magnify not her own personal situation, but God's work in this situation and in the world. And in doing so, she did not actually make God seem bigger. But instead, Mary viewed God and invited everyone, including us, to view God to be exactly as big as God already is. Allowing what God had done in the past to bear down on the present and on the future. It is that viewpoint of God's presence and work in the world, beloved, that can bring us peace, come what may, as we come to understand that peace is a gift meant for everyone, and it comes not from the absence of conflict, but from the presence of God even amid the conflict. It is difficult to understand, and it's difficult to explain to adults, much less to children. But peace comes not from the absence of conflict, but from the recognition of the presence of God. This is the gift we've been unwrapping all season, the gift for which we long as we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, come like you promised. God's presence and work in the world, that's the gift that brings all other gifts. Hope, love, joy, and peace. But it's up to us whether we accept it, whether we unwrap it in our daily lives. Barbara Brown Taylor is an Episcopal priest, a theologian, a professor, and author of our time who said in a sermon titled Mothers of God that like Mary, our own choices boil down to a yes or a no. Yes or no. Yes, I will live this life that is being held out to me or no, I will not. Yes, I will explore this unexpected turn of events, or no, I will not. If you do say yes, Barbara Brown Taylor says, if you do say yes, you can take part in a thrilling and dangerous scheme with no script and no guarantees. You can agree to smuggle God into the world inside your own body. To smuggle God into the world inside your own body Let me ask you today, what better way is there to magnify God? This is how God works, incarnationally, through the human body, through our own human bodies, offering us peace even in times of war. And it goes back to these promises that God made to Abraham. Yes, God promised to give Abraham land and a name, and descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, but God also promised to bless Abraham to be a blessing to all people for all generations. And Elizabeth uses this same language to honor Mary when the two pregnant women meet just before Mary sings. Blessed are you among women, Elizabeth says. Blessed is the child that you will bear. Blessed is she who believed that the Lord will fulfill the promises to her. She did. Mary did believe. She considered herself to be blessed by God for the express purpose of blessing her entire people and eventually all of humanity. So she agreed. She agreed not just to receive the blessing, but to be a blessing. And in that agreement, she found peace. Peace grounded in faith. Nothing could be more practical than that. The truth is, beloved, if we want to magnify the work of God in our lives, we have to be aware of it. And if we're going to be aware of the work of God in our lives, we need to recognize the pattern of God's work in human history. And if we want to recognize the pattern of God's work in human history, we have to know the stories of our faith. We have to be familiar with our holy text. We have to read it and not just read it, study it and discuss it with other people and apply it to our daily lives. Mary's profession of faith and her word of praise stand the test of time because they resonate with us. But they would have fallen flat if they had not been rooted in her own experience of God and propelled by her own willingness to take part in God's work in the world because she trusted God to be at work. She knew the stories this is important work for us too beloved it's the work that is before us now as the community of Morningstar star as we enter a new calendar year now the new church year has already begun right we talked about that these these weeks of advent are the beginning of the church calendar and they give us the opportunity to prepare for the calendar year that begins in January, pursuing our mission to point people to the grace of God that we find in Jesus in ways that magnify God's presence and God's love. Of course, I have some ideas about how to do that as a community, how we're being called to do that in this season, and we will ponder and discern those together as the year unfolds. We'll hold our daily and weekly rhythms up against our vision and our mission and ask ourselves how we are to grow in inspirational worship, radical inclusion, and the alleviation of suffering. That's our vision. And those elements are listed. They're talked about. They're lifted up in Mary's Magnificat. Go back and read it, and you will see, you will hear words of inspirational worship, radical inclusion, and the alleviation of suffering. This is the vision for our community, and it's revolutionary. And it begins with turning the spiritual binoculars toward ourselves so that we can ask a question about our own spiritual growth. What does my soul magnify? Right now, what does my soul... Magnify. This is an important question because if we consider it honestly, it creates space for us to ask another question How can I bring peace? Not how can I find peace, but how can I bring peace? This is not a feeble question, it's a question of power. It's not a question of peacekeeping. It's a question of peacemaking, and it is revolutionary, but it's worth considering. It's worth unwrapping for greater peace on earth and in our souls. Amen? Amen. This is the time in our service where we come to God in prayer as a community. If you are not receiving the prayer emails that go out weekly, please let us know so that we can add you to that list. You can call the office. We talk about so much in those emails, and it gives us a a real-time understanding of what's happening as we are also aware of so many things that are going on in the world. So we take everything that's on our minds and in our hearts today And we bring those to God. Let's take a deep breath. Let us pray. Holy God, your prophets foretold with faith that a new ruler would come forth from Bethlehem. Your daughter Elizabeth proclaimed with faith that her cousin was to be the mother of her Lord. Your servant Mary proclaimed with faith that she would be called blessed by generations. Today we celebrate and wait for the fulfillment of your word. We proclaim your trustworthiness this morning, God. We proclaim your faithfulness. We claim your peace. As individuals, as family members, as community members, and as followers of Jesus in this world. May our actions and our words magnify your work today and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.